When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Hello, Chris Evans here and welcome to the latest edition of the Best of the Breakfast Show podcast with Sky from Virgin Radio. Coming up, the brilliant Tom Grennan tells us about his brand new hot off the press album Evering Road, which went to both number one and number three in the first 12 hours of its release. The British acting brilliance of John Sim lifts the lid on ITV's gripping new drama Grace. The wonderful Stacey Solomon reveals the best ways to keep organised in her brand new book Tap to Tidy. And Welsh rugby legend Gareth Thomas turns the pages on his empowering new brilliant book, Stronger. All that and loads more to come. Now, Dapper Dave, pray tell, who's first? The new album, Evering Road, is out today, and here to take us down that very road is a man whose magnificent voice is matched only by his magnificent chest hair. It's the superb Tom Grennan! All right, Tom! Hello, hello, hello! <laughs> How are you? I'm doing. I'm good. How I are you? I bet you are. No, I'm fantastic. I'm very pleased for you. Well done, my friend. I, honestly, I am. Oh, I'm on next level buzzment right now. I'm so, <laughs> I'm so happy. I'm so happy. Now you and I have talked about buzzing before um, via various different routes, but there's nothing better than getting high on your own natural supply. So that must feel pretty good today. Yeah, it does. It feels like finally this album is out, and like you say, like. The endorphins in me are just taking me to next levels and I'm just loving it. And I'm just so happy that people are connecting with this album already. And to be honest with you, like, it's such an honest album and it's so like, my blood, sweat and tears went into this album. And it's me holding my hands up, admitting that I did a lot of bad things and I'm a human being at the end of the day and I made my mistakes. I want to be forgiven for them. And honestly, I feel like people are... I loving it. But the thing is, it's not a breakup album. It's not saying like, oh, I feel sorry for me because I did this or she did that. It's like, actually, I'm here to say, yes, I did it, but I'm owning it. I'm owning it. And yeah, and I feel like people are relating to that. And I feel like, like I say, it's an uplifting album and everybody needs a bit of uplifting right now, especially when there's a green light being clicked on and <laughs> gigs are coming back soon and Woo! everything's just like feeling good. You know what I mean? Yeah, and Tom, if making bad decisions was a crime, we'd all be in jail, pal. Yeah, I know, man. Sometimes you've got to make them to be a better person, man. 100%. Yeah, no, mistakes Mistakes are the greatest lessons because you learn them and tend never yeah. to forget them. And it's only by doing things that we really learn in the first place and but you know by doing those those things not so well first time around we get to hopefully uh, become better at them um, as time goes on so you've just been on Lorraine how is Lorraine what's the what's the post Piers Morgan atmosphere like over at ITV uh, Live yeah do you know what I, I I spoke to Lorraine and I just sweet talked to her she was lovely she, she, I felt like me and her could we, we connected it was like Mother and son, it was lovely. Right, Tom, we don't know how you did this, right? But you are currently, and we've checked. So this isn't a, a, a glitch or me being, um, you know, my usually uh, usual half-brain stupid, half-brain cell stupid self. But you are currently now at number one and number three in the iTunes album chart. How yeah. does that work, my young friend? I do not know, but I'm just so over the moon about it <laughs> that people are just, I don't know, I feel like people... 
I've been waiting for this album for so long. I've been waiting for it for so long. And just, I don't know, it feels like everything's coming into like, coming together now. And I feel like, uh, I don't really know what to say. I'm just more, more buzzing than anything. But do you know how that might work? Know? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I have no idea about, about, you know, the iTunes chart in general. But how do you get to number one and number three? And why aren't you number two then in that case? By the way, um, I don't know. I think another artist is number two. Oh, um, oh, oh, and I've just been told number three is the deluxe album. Ooh, yeah. there you three go. Is the deluxe, yeah. So uh, it's pretty mad. And to be honest with you, I hope it stays there. And I hope like we've got a week to like really like get this album to people. And uh, to be honest, I feel like this album is going to be like a bit of a pass the parcel album where people are going, oh my God, have you heard this album? And that's what I hope it does. And I hope, to be honest, it just lives in people's lives and takes a different life. And to be honest, I want Everin Road to become the new Abbey Road. Come on, let's make it happen. <laughs> Why not? Shoot for the stars, you get the sky thrown in. Of course you do. So this is your second album. And there is a thing, as you know, it's in the business, you know this better than I do, called Second Album Syndrome, especially when your first album was such a smash. Um, how did you celebrate your first album? And how will your celebrations compare this time around? Because I, I should imagine they couldn't be more different. Yeah, I had a big party when I celebrate when my, when my first album came out. Uh, in London somewhere, and now I'm just gonna—I don't know—just I might go for a run. It's cool. Uh, I love that. I love it. I love it because it's—it's but it's—it's funny, isn't it? Because when you do something fantastic, you then try and out celebrate it, and you can't because it's such a great thing that you've done anyway. The creation of it's been so good. Going for a run in the park and you know thanking the Lord and every everyone and everything in between is probably the perfect thing to do probably is yeah it like it will be for sure like to be fair i got up at half six this morning and i was like just buzzing so i got up got did a workout and it's made me feel even better like endorphins i'm telling you are running through my body right now and it's a crazy feeling <laughs> i bet i bet lorraine didn't know what to hit her um, i know i was like <laughs> right now you are busy for the rest of the day i know that for a fact what kind of schedule do you have um i'm going out now i'm gonna go because um there's billboards all over london so like in leicester square there's one in Westfields. there's one at euston station and stuff like that so i'm gonna go see them and like just make myself like have a picture and all that which is going to be great and i'm just proud and then i'm going to go and uh deliver a few things to the to the key people who've Help me do Good this album. Good so, for you. See, yeah. see. And that's, that's, again, that's the right thing to do. You can be forgiven for doing the wrong thing first time around, second time around, third time around. But how good, you know, when you do good things, good things happen. That is just a fact, isn't it? For sure. I be fully believe that. I remember having that chat with you. Do you remember up in the room yeah. um, at, the, in, at the radio station? After the show, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 And like, I'm still on that path. Do you know what I mean? And I feel like it's it's fully like just been a blessing in disguise for me do you know what Tom I can remember your eyes from that day they were so alive they were sparkling there was a yeah. bright light shining from within and you you know that's a real thing that really happens they say that you know our karma is the light behind our story and your light was shining bright then and I can feel I can hear it still shining like that now Thank you so much, man. Honestly, yeah, thank you. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. Uh, Tom, we've not asked for any texts. Loads of texts coming in. Loads of love for you coming in. Everybody oh. talking about you playing live again. I know your tour is coming back in September. You've got some online yeah. Q&As and a little live acoustic show, TomGrenamusic.com. If we can twist your arm up your back to come and sneak a couple of sort of preview shows at our festivals, you up for that? 
A hundred percent. Always, man. Oh, you lot of family to me, so come on. All right, done. Uh, listen, have a great rest of the day. Congratulations. I'm so, you, I'm, ju- I am so pleased for you. You so deserve it. You are the man. Cry- I love the journey you're on, and I want to hop on, on the bus and share the back seat with you for a while. Oh, you're on there, man. You're on there. 100%. <laughs> All right, Tom. Cheers, man. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. If our next guest is on your telly, it's pretty much guaranteed to be brilliant. His excellent new feature-length detective drama, Grace, is on ITV this Sunday at 8pm, and to miss it would be a crime. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the sensational John Sim! All right, John! <laughs> Hello, guys. How are you doing? Very well. How are you faring, my friend? Yeah, not too bad at all, thank you. Happy National Plumbing Day. Yeah, happy National Plumbing Day, happy World Kidney Day, all that good stuff going on. John, yeah. how come you pick these absolute zingers, regardless of what channel or platform they're on. This is a brilliant, brilliant programme. Oh, you know what? I don't know. I, I just, I read the scripts and I think that's good. That's not great. You know, it's really simple. If it really grabs me and I think, you know, but in this day and age, Chris, you know, to be offered a lead as a, as, as a, a detective that's tried and tested, you know, he's a, he's a literary sensation, this guy. 30 million books sold and, you know, so there's a, a fan base there. To be offered that kind of gig at at my age, is, is, is wonderful. And we've got Russell Lewis, who writes Endeavour, and he's done Morse and Sharp, and, you know, so he's a brilliant, brilliant writer. So that, that's what happened now. We've got great source material from Peter James's novels, and we've got the brilliant Russell Lewis as well. So, yeah. Peter James is genius, like you say, tens of millions of book sales. Dead Simple uh, was the original story, uh, the debut novel in his hit Roy Grace, the Roy Grace series, as you say. And Grace, this Sunday, 14th of March, 8pm ITV. Catch him on the ITV hub and you will not want to miss this. It's an absolute cracker. Now, how much do you want to say about this? Because you, everything's a spoiler in a way, so you can talk about none of it or you can talk about all of it because there's so much going on. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's about, it's, all I can say really is it's, it's a stag night that goes wrong and and, and when you when you first meet Roy Grace, he's um, he's been demoted to cold cases because he's been hauled over the coals for, for something he did um, in, in the job before. He went to see a medium and, and a reporter, um, re, you know, um, blabbed about it. And so he's been hauled over the coals and he's been put in a cupboard, you know, pushing paper. Uh, and so when we meet him, his friend. Um, Glenn Branson, play, played by Richie Campbell, comes in, asks for his help on this missing persons case, and off he goes. So he's, he's, um, he's, he's, he's just helping out at the beginning. But also he's got this thing, his wife went missing six years earlier, mm-hmm. and it's never been solved, he's never been able to find her. So he's got that hanging over him. But he's a, he's a decent guy, you know, he's not some maverick cop. He's calm, he's methodical, you know. He's, um, so, yeah, he's a great character, a lot going on there. He's calm, he's methodical, and he's fair. That's the thing, isn't he's it? He's fair and he's kind, yeah. yeah that's the yeah. thing, isn't it? That opening bit in the courtroom, I mean, we, I, we can't give, we can't even speak towards any of it in any detail, but that's a great, that's a great laying down of the, the intellectual gauntlet, isn't it? <laughs> it kind oh, of is, yeah. I love yeah. that. It was brilliant. I was like, I was like, this is so good, you know. And, and <laughs> oh, as, as we know, the, the the person who writes the first five minutes writes the uh, the next eighty five, which can go either way. Of course, you think, well, if, if this is where we're starting, where's it going to go? Um, <laughs> have you read the book? I have. Yeah, I read. Um, I'm on book ten at the moment. Right. Actually, I couldn't put them down. I'd okay. never read them before, but I got hooked. They're, they're, he's very clever, Peter James. You know, you the sort of, you know, real page turners. So it's great to be inside his head in those books because I, I, wouldn't, I wasn't able to do 
loads of research and go out with the police and stuff. So the books have been a brilliant source of material for me. So well, what are the other gigs are you going to do? Or is Grace going to become a permanent fixture? Because this is going to do fantastic business on Sunday. I'm personally going to make sure of it. Oh, thanks, mate. I'm really <laughs> glad you liked it. <laughs> I didn't like it. I loved it. It was brilliant. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Well, listen, the, we filmed two. So the, the second one, I think, is I mean, even more, you know, um, of, of a, a, a roller coaster thriller, you know. So they're brilliant books. Every single one of them is a cracking story. So we've got... We've just got loads of source material. So hopefully, hopefully, man, people will like it and we'll get to do more. That'll be great. Abigailian Worthing says, I can't wait to see Grace on Sundays. I've read the book and John Sim is perfect for Roy Grace. Uh, plus some of it was filmed in Worthing. Yeah, oh. we filmed all over. Yeah. Well, yeah, thanks, Abigail. I hope you enjoy it. And was the next Grace that you've already filmed, was that in Brighton as well? Is, is, is Brighton where he is? Yeah, he's a Brighton cop, yeah. So right, okay. it's all, it will all be set. Like, like Morse is in Oxford, uh, Grace is in Brighton, yeah. That's, yeah. that's cool. So you could become the Rick Stein of Brighton, I suppose, because if you, <laughs> you know, because you, because great shows showcase great places, don't they? I mean, Brighton's pretty. It's got a pretty good rep anyway, but it's can only. Yeah, I mean, it looks it looks great on film as well, and you know, and you know, dark, seedy underbelly of it all, and you know, with the neon and everything. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, I mean, it's a, it's a it's it's very lovely to look at. Heather in the <laughs> Huggles coat says, "I've followed John since the lakes. I love everything he does, and I cannot wait for Sunday." Um... You must be grateful for your career, I suppose. Of course, of course you are, John. I mean, this is right up there, though, isn't it, with anything you've done, I would imagine. Oh, absolutely. I hope so. You know, I, I, you know I, it's, it's difficult for me to tell now, Chris, because I, I, I find it really, really, really uh, tough to watch myself. I, can't, I, just, I just watch yourself growing older, um, and it's really odd. And uh, now I just think, oh, do you know what? I, I can't tell whether I'm any good or not now. I, I, I'm, I, I can't, I've got no objectivity at all. So well, you I are don't know. I amazing. Tell. <laughs> Amazing. I guess it's just vanity, isn't it? You look at yourself and think, oh my God, is that what I look like now? But they do say, <laughs> don't they? I was hearing this yesterday, funny enough. Um, if you said to other people what you say and you think, you say to yourself and you think about yourself when you look in the mirror, you'd get arrested. Because, <laughs> yeah, because we're, so, we're so horrible to ourselves. And what we yeah, should do, right. you know, there's that thing of, uh, there's that thing in the Bible, isn't it? do unto others as you would have done unto yourself. Turn that around. Do unto yourself what you, how you treat others, because you treat That's other people so much better than we treat ourselves. This, our yeah. self-talk self sometimes leaves a lot to be desired, John. It does indeed, and it can be dangerous, you know. It can be, it can be a bad energy, especially in this year that we've just had. A lot of people are talking to themselves. Yeah. John, you're awesome. I love you. Um, I appreciate you, and I'm going to get everyone to watch your show. Everyone. Oh, mate, thank you so much, Chris. I really appreciate right, that. Right, thank you. Lovely to hear from you again. That is John Sim. His brand new show is Grace. It's a feature-length drama on ITV, and it's this Sunday, and it's a real fantastic end of the weekend treat for you. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. She cleaned up on X Factor, swept the floor on I'm a Celeb, and now she's tidying on Instagram. Her new book, Tap to Tidy, is out now, so if your home is a tip, see our next guest for a tap that'll have you in tip-top tidy shape in no time. Please welcome the well-neat Stacey Solomon! All right, Stacey! Good morning! How are you today? I'm really good, thank you. How are you? Very well. Now, I understand, like a lot of us, you are two ankle biters lighter as of yesterday. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> Said one oh, mum. 
Uh, isn't it, isn't it? And it's strange that all this is on the eve of Mother's Day. We were talking about Mother's Day earlier, Stacey, and the Vassos, one of my co-hosts here, um, his wife made an announcement yesterday to the family that she didn't want to do Mother's Day uh, this year. Now, we're not sure whether she meant it or whether it was a trap. What's your take on that, Stacey? And my take is prepare for all events. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you plan something, but you don't have to bring it out unless it's necessary. Okay, very wise words. And Stacey knows about this stuff. <laughs> she's got it all going on. Uh, Stacey's a mum and she's got it all going on. Uh, Stacey oh. Solomon's uh, Tap Too Tidy, organising, crafting and creating happiness in a messy world. Uh, now, my little boy Noah saw your book on the seat of my car last night, Stacey, and he said, oh. Tap to Tidy, that's what we all want. And he went around the house just tapping things and said, there you go, that's tidy now. I said, Noah, that's not how it works. Can you sort of expand? Oh, Noah's a man after my own heart. I oh, know, I know. It's not quite like that. It's very helpful, though. How does it work? So basically, my life is constantly a mess because mm -hmm. you know what it's like with your kids, your dogs, your cats. You just feel like you're living in absolute filth half the time. So anything <laughs> to make it more fun, right. <laughs> it just gives me a bit of an excuse to do it. So the tap to tidy is basically you find a space where you don't have to look very far in my house. That's a complete mess. You take a picture, tidy it, and then take a picture afterwards, mm. and it feels like a real achievement. <laughs> So it feels like a win. You've got to turn it into a win, this challenge, haven't you? That's the deal there. Exactly. Right. Um, but ultimately, it can be anything. So it could be like making a snack or if I'm cropping something just from looking at the beginning to the end. Mm. It just feels like a real sense of, yeah, I've done something. Right. Now, uh, Hells Bells, who works on the show yesterday, she was talking about her and a flatmate. So Hells Bells, um, they both love to tidy. They have a very tidy sort of cohabitation uh, um, environment. But Hells Bells said... You know, she fessed up on the radio. She basically said, look, I, I'm not great with skirting boards and my, my flatmate is, but she's not great with worktops and I am. Do you have any aversions in your house particularly? I know I know you say your house is a mess, but also there's a lot of joy in that mess as well. That's one of our excuses never to tidy up. Um, <laughs> do, do you have particular places where you're really rubbish at tidying? Yeah, I'm rubbish um, at the moment. Since the kids have been at home, the recycling has been a real problem. Yeah. So the bins have been an issue yeah. and that's really got on my go. Uh -huh. Um, there's also like a cupboard um, under the stairs that is almost like a black hole. So everything just gets shoved in there. And we probably only address the issues inside that cupboard once a year when we just think, OK, oh, no. oh, it's no. time. And you, you fear. <laughs> yeah, there's loads of black It's like an avalanche, oh, avalanche of chaos, isn't it? The, you, your you, you fear your children will be covered in and may never be seen again, that kind of situation. <laughs> exactly. Have you ever seen that episode of Friends where Monica has that secret cupboard? No. Oh, well, basically, it's like that. And you open the cupboard and everything falls out and oh, you don't no. know what the hell is in there, but you also do, if that makes sense. You do. And also... It's a mess that I kind of know. As human beings, you know, if we have a space, we will fill it. I think that's called Johnson's Law. That is a scientific thing. Um, so Rob Beckett was on the show last week and he says, <laughs> under lockdown, he says that his family become an eight bin family and you can you can just buy extra bins apparently and i think it's all right it might not be all right i'm not quite sure but they've now they've now advanced to becoming an eight bin family where are you with your bins we have ended up having to buy an extra bin like a giant one um <laughs> just because i don't know where the rubbish comes from yeah and you know what we get my go is sometimes we've got a bin right yes. that's like inside a drawer yes. and sometimes i watch the kids walk up to the bin like the the the, the drawer mm. with a banana skin or something and they just put it on the side next to the bin I and i think are you kidding me you're right there literally two centimeters backwards and it's in the bin what is wrong with you <laughs> yeah but then you can hear echoes of your own mum in your in your ear holes can't you I know, the same thing. because horrible, yeah what happened yesterday 
today, first night back for the kids from school, um, the floor drobe came back into existence last night. Um, you know, the trail of school clothes from the door to the kitchen. Oh, how we've missed that as parents. Oh, the floor drobe, the lunch boxes that get left in the bag and yeah. then you look at them three days later and oh, there's a mouldy sandwich oh, that they didn't eat. Oh. Just everything. But do you know mm. what? Yeah. There's nothing better than having those six hours in the day where if you hoover the floor, it's not immediately Stay dirty again. Stay savoured. Stay savoured, absolutely. It's just amazing. Stacey, one aspect of your book that worries me is the... Um, when you're tapping to tidy, you talk about the thinking about it pile. Um, you know, now Marie Kondo would be having none of this, nor would your mate Mrs. Hinch. This is a this is a pile where you know things could come and things could go. I think that uncertainty strikes the fear of God into me. Uh, how how do we get over that? Well, I think you do have. So I am secretly a hoarder. Mm. I don't like to throw things away and don't yeah. like to get rid of things. So I I do always have. Um, I'm thinking about it pile, and the only way that I can get rid of that pile is once I've tidied the space, put everything back in mm. and then I look and think, is there room for my thinking about it pile? Right. If there's no room, then I have to start letting go or it goes into the junk trunk. So I have like a massive trunk outside that yep. I keep all of like my empty candle jars <laughs> and stuff in just to like make stuff out of them later on. The thing is that if you have a thinking about it pile, what you're really living in is a thinking about it house. No, definitely not, because you have to make those decisions immediately. So, like, once you've cleared the space, you have to make the decisions as to whether you're going to keep stuff from the thinking about it or you're going to let go of it. Thanks so much for being here. Organising, crafting and creating happiness in a messy world. And it only gets ever messy, doesn't it? Is it called entropy? Isn't it called entropy? Well, when it gets so messy that it starts tidying up itself. No, like, that's atrophy. Like it's not atrophy. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. I can't remember. Entropy is like if you put, if you pile newspapers or whatever, if you perfectly restack a room, yeah. eventually it will just get messy again. It's the chaos from Cosmos, isn't it? Is it entropy? Do you know or not? I know. But just say you don't know then, for heaven's sake. <laughs> it's easier. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. So we've heard from three magnificent guests already, but there's still so much more to come. Best-selling author and digital minimalist Cal Newport opens our eyes to transforming productivity in his new book, A World Without Email. The phenomenal front woman of Texas, Charlene Spiteri, gets ready to take over two weeks of drive time right here on Virgin Radio from 4 to 7 p.m. And Pulitzer Prize-winning author Michael Moss exposes the perils of processed food in his brilliant brand new book, Hooked. All of that and more still to come. So let's get right back to the action. Dapper Dave, who's next, please? He's a Welsh rugby legend that was tough on the pitch and as it turns out, even tougher off it. His new book, Stronger, is out now and here to tell us more is a man that scored tries for a living and now knows that the living is good if you just try. Please welcome the wonderful Gareth Thomas. All right, Gareth. <laughs> 
Morning, how are you? Morning. Uh, welcome, Gareth. What a book. Congratulations, pal. Um, how was it writing this book compared to your first tome? Um, do you know what? Uh, different in a way because this book, the reality is, is I never wanted to write it. I never wanted to be in the position of writing it. I think that's where the kind of narrative comes from is that I was put into a position of, of kind of being forced to say something about myself that I felt nobody else needed to know. But through telling that story, through overcoming my fear, through kind of like taking control of my own life, I actually, I actually realized that the potential of who I am is on the other side of fear, like is on the other side of taking control rather than letting people control me yeah. and controlling how I feel. So um, it, it, was, it, was, it was liberating and really cathartic. So this is about an HIV diagnosis. And your, your story, or this, this half of your story, and it's only half for now because obviously your story is ongoing and it's fascinating and it's so inspiring, Gareth. So thank you for writing yes, it. Gareth. By the way, we've already got texts about uh, thanking you for writing this book. It's unbelievable. Um, but obvious Aww. if you think about it. So it starts off with blackmail. Just, just give us a headline on that, if you don't mind. Uh, yeah, I think like, in, in life, um, you have things, we, we all have them, right? You know, um, you, we've all got them, regardless who you are, what stat you have. You have things that you don't want other people to know about you because you feel that if they know that thing about you, then you're going to become vulnerable yeah. um, and you're going to kind of become weak to them. Mm-hmm. So uh, what I found is living with HIV and keeping it a secret from, from so many people became really difficult. So I mm-hmm. decided to kind of entrust a few people to support me and to kind of help me through it. And I realized that when you give people information about you that you want kept secret, you kind of become their property. Yeah. And sadly, there are people in this world, whether we like to admit it or not, there are people in this world who will use that to their advantage. And somebody used it to kind of try and extract money from me, um, to try and kind of have power over me. If they woke up on a bad day and I woke up on a good day and they knew I was on a good mood, then they had the power to make my good mood a bad mood to make their bad mood justifiable. So I I, I confronted that. And also that person then, you know, had had gone to the press to use the press power um, uh, uh, against me as as well. But that's when I decided, you know what? Like, I'm in control of my own life, regardless however many people or what organizations, how powerful they are, decide what they want to do about my life and my story i am actually the one that people will listen to when it comes to my life so i decided at at that point to take control of it and to tell my story but to tell it in a powerful way and a way that inspires people whether it be living with hiv or whether just be living with a vulnerability that you're afraid of um i wanted to tell it in a way that would empower people rather than kind of drag things back to the 80s or, or or drag things down into the sewer to fight in the gutters like yeah, I mean, it is. You've told it so well. It's so gripping from from the first sentence to the first page. And that paragraph you referred to, um, w- w- you know, you waking up and you having to find out what somebody else, what mood somebody else is in, i.e., the blackmailer, before you can sort of get on with your day. I mean, that is such. That's to me. I was like, oh, that, that must be awful. What a terrible situation to be in. But of course, inadvertently, that person had no idea. They have almost done you the ultimate favour. 
because it, yeah. it forces you to talk about it. And uh, and the more you really get into a flow, don't you? You, you know, the, the book really it starts strong and it gets ever stronger. Um, and it, it seems to me there was a real voice within and all you had to do was just, just write, write it down. You didn't have to think what you wanted to say and how you wanted to say it because it was already fully formed. Yeah, and I think that was what was so good about the book for me was that I wasn't sure at the time because I was literally being controlled by somebody else yeah. and an organisation, how my life was living. I wasn't sure kind of how I was dealing with it because I literally was just surviving. Like I was literally just going through the motions, yeah. being petrified. And I'm talking for years, like this was a long, long time. And then when it came to just sitting down and unraveling everything I'd been through and understanding kind of how I got to the point where I'm at today, mm. um, it all just started to unlock in my brain. And I all just started to realize, God, how strong I had been, or and and you know it sounds, you know I don't want to blow, I don't I don't want to blow smoke, but it sounds like, you know I was I was being really brave, but I just needed to analyze that and yeah. break it all down, um, and also what is really important for me was that what I understood was that the vulnerabilities are present in so many people, but we all actually have the power to confront the fear and take control of our vulnerability and turn it into a strength rather than, rather than a weakness. It's just sometimes we, we, we need that trigger. We need that motion. We need that somebody or someone in our life to say, or ourselves to say, stand up and, 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 and do it for yourself. But also for me, I felt it was really important that I was representing a community of people living with HIV who had been so unrepresented, so misinterpreted. Yeah. Um, that I wanted to get people to realize that the stigma and the misunderstanding around HIV doesn't need to exist. Like, I don't need to be blackmailed for living with HIV. You don't get blackmailed for living with cancer or living with diabetes or any other things that may be through, through, a, through a lifestyle choice, however you want to call it, that, that, can, that can affect you. Yet through HIV, you feel that somebody can still blackmail you for it. Yeah. And I wanted to kind of dispel that myth as well. Uh, Gareth, great to talk to you, pal. Bless you. Thank you, Matt. Thank you so, so much. You're welcome. The, I mean, this is some book, let me tell you. Stronger, what is it you're fighting for? Gareth Thomas, courageous as ever, legend on the pitch, and more, more of a legend off the pitch. That's Prince William's blurb on the front cover of that book. This is awesome, this book. It's awesome. Stronger, what is it you're fighting for? Gareth Thomas. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. For our next guest, it's usually showtime with her band Texas, but for the next two weeks, it's drive time here on Virgin Radio. Taking the reins from Giovanna Fletcher this Monday from 4pm is a lady that can say what she wants and she might even change our minds. <laughs> it's the one and only Charlene Spateri. <laughs> very clever, very clever. He's good, isn't he? He's good. He knows what he's doing, good. doesn't he? Very good. And he's all ours. You can have him for drive time if you like. Um, oh. So, Charlie, what about this? What a decision. And apparently it didn't take you long to, to decide. It was, it was almost an instant yes, wasn't it? Well, I mean, seriously, when you get asked to do something like that, I must admit, I'm talking to you right now and I actually feel quite <laughs> ill. <laughs> I mean, to be honest... All you got to do is you got to just surf drive time because all the fun is waiting for you, Charlene. It's all there. All you got to do, get your surfboard out, get your cosy on, bit of Factor 50, no problem. <laughs> I think I'm going to go Factor 50. That's how scared I am. I'm you... literally, I mean, I'm, li- I'm literally chomping at the bit to get in there. Um, but, um, yeah, I was listening to Giovanna, so I've been listening to her, and she's done a great job. And, you know, basically I'm just thinking, oh, you know, what, what do I want to hear? 
what do I want to hear? I took to um, in the last few few months, like obviously during um, you know I've been cooking loads of dinner and stuff, and I went to my little at that that moment in time, I go into the kitchen and start cooking dinner for for the family. And um, I took to this new thing where I start um, how long I can dance to a record. So they were playing like loads of really up tunes and stuff. And you think, right, can I dance to the whole record mental around the kitchen, right, while I'm cooking the dinner? So I'm like doing like my kitchen workout. So I've, I've taken to that. I realised how unfit I was getting. I was nearly having a heart attack because obviously I'm used to running up and down the stairs. Yep. And I thought, oh my God. So basically, I'm going to just see if I can get everybody literally jigging as they're cooking the dinner. Hopefully not jigging too much when they're actually driving the cars, but I don't doubt if people will be going that far anyway. So, um, yeah, that's that's. I'm just looking forward to playing great tunes and, and being in it. You're going to have to come on. You realise that, don't you? Whenever you like. I'm there, you come know, and visit me. Come, I'm, not, I've not, I'm not supposed to have guests, but... I'm sure they'll let you pop in. No, we're fine, we're fine. Um, we're, we're clear to do that. It's, that's COVID compliant. You know, you work on the show, you work in here. It's fine to pop in Great. on each of the shows. I'm definitely in town on Thursday. I know that for a nailed-on fact. And, okay, Thursday is then. You know, you can be show fit, you can be match fit. You've got to be gig fit. So you're not gig fit, and you already know that. You've given yourself the sort of inner heads up. Yeah, I literally went. I've been literally dancing around, and then you suddenly go, whoa. Whoa, I'm not even singing or carrying my guitar. Yeah, I'm not running around with, with a big, blooming, heavy guitar, and I'm not belting it out and suddenly I was like whoa so I'm like my my, my uh, that's that's how I'm going to get match fit is literally dancing around jumping around singing along your songs and having it's a good. great time it's cool I mean of course you sustained a, a now infamous rock and roll injury didn't you oh well I've had a few have you really I know the, I know of the big one with a guitar around your neck that you didn't yeah, realise yeah the guitar was... one with my back my neck actually they're going to they're, they're talking about the um, it's 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 flaring up again and I'm not even on tour so they're saying that in between before I go on tour that they're going to take me back into hospital when obviously we're allowed to go back into hospitals and, and re, re-inject my spine. Oh my goodness me. What other rock and roll injuries that I'm not aware of have you sustained? Well, my other rock and roll injust, um, injury was when um, I, I jumped on the big, a big giant, one of those big blow-up trampoline castle things right. and um, tore the ligament at my ankle. I came on your show, remember I had the big thing on my foot, the big (laughs) cast thing, did that as well. That was because I was deciding that um, I would have a race with one of the members of the band and uh, told him that I would kick his backside. Okay, is is that guy still a member of the band or was was that a deal breaker? Mike, oh no, he's gone. After he beat me, I was like, (laughs) he's nothing to me. Who? <laughs> now, Rachel's here. Rachel's done drive time. She kicked it all off because uh, the I mighty Lola went off to have little Noah, a girl without the H. Um, so, Rachel, uh, Charlene, Charlene, Rachel, I know you know each other anyhow. Yeah. Would you like to swap um, notes, Rachel? Oh, I mean, the idea that I could have any tips for Charlene is, is outrageous because Charlene is such an amazing performer and I've seen you absolutely smash it on stage at Carfest. So just bring oh. that energy. Tell us all your stories. I think that's what I really enjoyed most, like speaking to the microphone as if I'm speaking to one friend and telling them all my stories and all the memories that the songs evoke. And I would say if and when you play Texas this afternoon, put up your mic and sing along. We would all love to hear that. <laughs> That's going to be the hard one for me is not to sing oh, along. But, no, but you could because I do all the time. People hate it, but you're, you're Charlene's Pateri. It'd be amazing. <laughs> yeah, how to murder the song. Get me to sing alongside it. Oh, right. Okay, you're talking to the unconverted there. But Rachel has a point, I suppose, because, you know, 
if you talk about almost every song you play or every couple of songs you play or every other song you play or every third song you play for a couple of weeks, that'd be fine because you probably have stuff. I mean, you know, if you were booked to, to do the next three to five years on Drive Time, you couldn't do that. But you can do that for two weeks, can't you, Sean? Yeah. Well, I mean, I've got, it's funny because music just evokes such memories for people in places, times, everything. I mean, I'd love even people to, you know, um, email and text and everything, tell me their stories about songs, I'll play music, they want to hear stuff. You know, I want to do all that kind of stuff because, you know, you know such an important part whenever we do car fest or whatever, Texas are on tour, such an important part for us and for me especially on stage is is talking and getting people's feedback and feel and their stories and the things that they do because I can't shut up on stage. You know half the time that my band are looking at me going, when are we playing the next song? Yeah, she's off yeah, again. We're a band, by the way. This we're is... a band, yeah. Shut up, shut up. <laughs> uh, I'm so excited for you. Can't wait. We'll be tuning in. Um, you know, I say good luck, best of luck. Yeah, yeah. Everybody needs a bit of luck, Listen, don't they? Everybody needs luck and I will need luck. I mean, there's buttons involved and mics involved <laughs> and me talking rubbish involved. So, yes, it's going to be, I'm going to need all the luck I, I can get. All right. Well, we're all going to be tuning in, Char. Thanks so well, much. Well, I'll be seeing you on Thursday anyway. Yeah, you'll see me Thursday. I'll hear you on, on the show. Monday. Absolutely. Always here for you, no matter what. A, thank you for being my friend. B, I love you. C, um, thanks for saying yes to the drive time because we're so excited. Thank you. Back right. at you. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. If you think salt, sugar and fat aren't all that, then think again. They've got you under their dietary thumb. His new processed food-busting book, Hooked, is out now. And here to serve up a healthy view on some unhealthy habits is a man that doesn't gather on a rolling stone. It's Michael Moss! <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Michael. Good one. Hey, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being here. Uh, what time is it in Brooklyn in New York this morning? It is 4.30 in the morning oh here on a lovely soon-to-be day. Okay, now it's um, intemporally warm, isn't it, there at the moment? Yeah, yesterday it was 65 for the first time this spring, and everybody came out on their stoops and just, like, marveled at wow. the prospect of spring. So you live in a steepy kind of neighbourhood. Do you have a brownstone? Is that why we're talking to you? Yeah, it's kind of a brownstone. Oh, I like you it. Know, look, we got hit by the we got hit by the pandemic hard, but yeah. we're 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 recovering. I I hear you know Stoke is ever New York and New Yorkers. Uh, what's the current vibe? I know I think it's optimism. You know we've got the vaccines going. We've got you know I think we're going to get this thing. Kids are going back to school. People are thinking about going back to the office. I mean I see a lot of op- optimism actually. Good for you, pal. Uh, right, first of all, before we get into this book. And um, what's it like to win the Pulitzer Prize? <laughs> you win the Pulitzer Prize, you get to stand in front, in my case, the New York Times newsroom, and thank, <laughs> you know, the million people who helped you win that prize. Because, you know, it's a little bit about you, but it's all about them. And it's a great party. All right, pal. Um, well, this, this book, which is amazing, Michael, it is an amazing, amazing book for so many. It's, first of all, it's so readable and it's full of revelations. The, the kind of thing that we all think we know now because of various movies on Netflix and documentaries. But you, you bring a whole new lens to it. It's called Hooked, How Processed Food Became Addictive, Michael Moss. And this is your own answer to a question you kept getting asked from 2013 onwards which was and remains how processed food became addictive so how did you go about finding out the truth behind that question yeah i mean i almost didn't write the book because you know when i got that question and it was from a reporter in london i scoffed and i said oh come on you mean like oreo cookies like heroin i mean that's like ridiculous 
But I managed to meet incredible scientists. I went back into the underbelly of the processed food industry. And I came away sort of overwhelmed by evidence that in many ways, food is more addictive than even drugs, kind of in the way that we've fallen so hard for these processed food products that that cause us to lose control of our health. Okay, now the thing, the the sort of comparison here I couldn't help not noticing is with digital technology because what's happened now is processed food has got to a point where it is so overwhelmingly unnatural that our bodies can't cope with it and don't even realise it's happening and it's not dissimilar to technology in our brains. Yeah, you know, I spent time with biologists who sort of understand how we evolved. And look, you can believe in evolution or creationism, it's, it's the same thing. But going back in time... You know, we develop systems in our body to draw us to food and not just to eat, but to overeat. And that was like totally cool until 50 years ago when the food companies changed the nature of our food and made overeating an everyday thing. So a lot of what I talk about in the book is is the ability of these companies to tap into our basic instincts. This is stuff that's not on the label of the packages to get us to not just eat, but to overeat. Okay, now these companies, they're not lying to us. It's just that they make the truth harder for us to discern. I love the stuff about supermarket shelves. I love the fact about, fact, fact about you know, on the front of a, of a packet of something, it will say it's sugar-free or it's low-fat, but then you go to the back for the real info, as you've just said, the real DNA of what's going on. But of course, these companies are often, even I thought about it reading you, but I thought, oh, these guys, it sounds like these companies are run by whole, whole boardrooms of Dr. Evils, but that's not the case. They are just doing their job job aren't they they maybe they're not there to be forgiven but it's you know we can still vote with our pound or our dollar can't we yeah no i don't see this as this evil empire that intentionally set us out i mean look for me this was like a detective story like how do they do it and i think knowing how they do it how they get us hooked on their products is incredibly empowering and ultimately will let us sort of make better decisions about what we eat and how much. Okay, now uh, you also um, talk about the stomach equivalent of a lobotomy or a frontal lobotomy uh, that used to be a a procedure uh, because people believed the stomach was responsible for making us feel hungry or, in fact, uh, turning us into being uh, greedy and gluttonous. Uh, But that was found out not to be the case. Can you just take us from the journey of of the general um, uh, sort of standard being it's all about the stomach to actually it's not, it's about the brain? Yeah, and then we're coming back to the stomach too. So, um, you know, it wasn't that long ago that we thought that hunger happened in the stomach. And then I met scientists actually who were working in Montreal at McGill who discovered that, in fact, hunger happens in the brain. They were doing laboratory rat studies. Um, and that's and the connection between these products and the brain is what this is all about. They're made to be fast. They're made to be convenient. They're made to be inexpensive. And all of those things send signals to the reward center of our brain which sends signals back, wow, I love that, let's eat more of that. That's where cravings happen. And that was one of the big lessons from looking at drug addiction that I did for this book, which is those cravings hit us can hit us so fast that it overwhelms the thinking part of our brain that's supposedly there to put the brakes on things that you know we shouldn't be doing um, so that the go part of the brain is like highly activated and you're often running, grabbing those snacks 
before you can stop yourself. Right. You've been amazing, Michael. You did not disappoint. You've been better than we even hoped for, which is a pretty high bar, let me tell you. If people, <laughs> if people want to find out more about you, other than getting your book, which is amazing, Hooked, How Processed Food Became Addicted by Michael Moss, Pulitzer Prize winner, where might they go to find out more? I've got a website called mossbooks.us where I'm putting fabulous interviews like this on there and doing some talking and this and that. And you can buy the book there if you would like it, um, no matter what country you're in. And I'd love it. And you can reach me. My email is on there. I'd love to hear from your listeners. Okay. What is your email? So while, while they're listening. Um, so, so it's Michael Moss, just yeah. my name. And then the digit zero at gmail.com. Okay, Michael, thank you for your time. Are you going back to bed or are you going to stay up now? No, I've got some work to do. And so <laughs> thanks for getting me up early. It's a busy day. <laughs> You're very welcome. Anytime, Michael. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. If you feel trapped like you can't get out of your inbox, our next guest is just for you. His latest book, A World Without Email, is out now. So, ladies and gentlemen, stop waiting for the notification, step away from the screen, take a breath and listen to the brilliance of Cal Newport. All right, Cal, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for staying up or getting up early, actually, uh, more to the point. In Washington, D.C., Cal is 38. He's an associate professor of computer science at Georgetown University. And, Cal, I understand you're up early anyway nowadays because you're homeschooling your three children. Is that right? Yeah, you have enough kids. You don't even know the difference between staying up late and getting up early. It's all the same. <laughs> now, you are wise beyond your years. Um, I'm almost twice as old as you. Well, at least a third older than you. And um, that gets on my nerves. Now, you've been warming up for this book with your others for a few years because... Cal is also, is also the author of such amazing books as Digital Minimalism, Choosing a Focused Life in a Noisy World, So Good They Can't Ignore You, and the best-selling Deep Work, Rules for Focused Success in a Distracted World. So this one was just a matter of time, wasn't it, Cal? It really was. I mean, I've actually been writing this for five years. Wow. I started working on it in 2016. It was that epic of a topic once I got going. Or was it that you've been so distracted whilst writing it, it's taken you five years to get it done? Yeah, if I didn't have email and a smartphone it would have taken me about three months so oh. yeah oh my goodness <laughs> case me in, case in point yep. right now before we get to where your book begins uh, let's go back to how email began uh, so where did it begin and how come it caught light so quickly well it spread in the 1990s but for a really good reason because it was replacing fax machines voicemails and memos which were a pain and it was an easier tool for implementing those so it had a really good sales pitch when it began its conquering of the business world Okay, so did it have, a, in your eyes or ears or, or heart or soul or brain, did it have a halcyon time? Was there a zenith for emails and their um, their efficiency and effectiveness from from to uh, an advantageous point of view? Those things that originally set out to do replacing those tools, it did well, and and it still does well. The problem is. In the wake of email arriving at all these companies, it brought with it another thing we weren't expecting, which is a new way of working I call the hyperactive hive mind. We realized we could just send messages all day long to talk to each other and coordinate. And it was that hive mind coordination that followed email that really begin to overload people's inboxes and make them miserable. Right. And this is also indicative of, of, of work tech you know, in the knowledge industry as a whole. So first of all, explain the term a knowledge worker and who came about, came up with that. Uh, so knowledge worker is a term that was coined by Peter Drucker. He was a, an American management theorist. He coined the term in the 1950s. And it basically explains work that's done with your brain. Mm. So you're not actually building a thing you can hold in your hand. 
you're sitting at a computer screen and in the end of the day you get a paycheck. <laughs> Roughly speaking, that's knowledge work. Okay, but you don't really need to know that much because it's a lot of it comes from the screen that you're sitting in front of. What I found... The whole book is fascinating, start to finish. Uh, one of the things that really sort of uh, captured my imagination was this this sort of sunken investment in tech that companies can't get out of once they've made the initial, initial down payment, if you like. Yeah, we get drowning in these technologies. We think, okay, this is going to make it better. Oh, that's not quite working. Let's throw more technologies at it. Uh, you look up 20 years later and people, for example, are checking their inbox once every five or six minutes. We it's very difficult to disentangle all of these new miracle tools once we throw them at the office, but we've got to think about how to use them. That's when we get in trouble is when we don't. And you also point out, and you point out the maths between the investment in dollars and cents that companies have made and the improvement in efficiency, efficiency and productivity that comes out the other end. And it's not that impressive. It doesn't make great reading. Yeah, it can even sometimes go backwards. I, mean, I love this study from the, the late 1980s where they were watching personal computers show up in the office and they ended up losing money, the companies they were studying, because they, they fired all the support staff. They said, we don't need them. We now have computers. The problem is the executives using the computers were stuck trying to type things and, and do whatever else they were doing with these <laughs> new computers all day. They had to hire more executives to get the same amount of work done. Their salaries were more than support staff, and they lost 15%. They fell 15% in terms of their uh, overall revenue. So it can be a little bit tricky. You think you're making things easier you might actually, in the end, make things worse. So many questions. So many great subheadings in your book. What does technology want? What's the headlines to that answer? So this way we work where we send messages back and forth all day long, no one actually decided that was a good idea. <laughs> uh, as far as I can tell, it was basically the technology itself said, yeah, this is how we're going to work now. Everyone hates it, the bosses, the workers. And I, I contend it was just a emergent reaction. You throw this tool into an office where you have a bunch of humans and don't give them any other instruction. Mm. Like in the 2001, when the apes pick up the, the, the tool, <laughs> whatever, you're just going to naturally start working in this crazy way that no one actually decided, let's send 126 messages a day to get our work done. Kyle, you sound so awake for somebody who's got up especially to talk to us with three kids to homeschool at five o'clock in the morning in Washington, D.C. Thanks for that. Before you go, a couple of route ones, if you don't mind, for individuals to improve um, their, their relationship with emails now. What can you do now to protect yourself from the madness of emails as an individual and as a company boss for people listening bosses? Just quick route ones. Yeah, just uh, schedule when you check it. Don't have your email be a background hum that you're constantly attending to. Okay, so same for both. Would you, and and uh, yeah, okay, same for both. I like that a lot because I got rid of my smartphone two and a half years ago now and I can't tell you, it is a different world out there and I still don't know anybody else who doesn't have one apart from me. There's, there's a couple of us out there. There are a couple of people out there. So you're not alone, but it's not a big crowd. But I love that you did that. I love yeah. the relief of it. Yeah, you're not plugged into that anymore. Well, you know, we should hook up, uh, me and those other guys, but we have no way of doing it. So that's fine. <laughs> you can't find each other. <laughs> exactly, which is perfect. <laughs> Carl, thanks for being here, man. Thank you. This book is awesome. It's a book. I think you can get it on ebook, but it is an actual book. It's in front of me. Look, I've got it in my hands. Cal Newport's A World Without Email. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast, and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.